Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Trick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Putin, this episode 48. I'm joined as, not always, actually, I thought it was a rare mistake, but I'm joined uh, by two guests who have joined me often. Uh, first is Jeffrey Rasmussen. You know him on Twitter as at FrankBarrett119. He is a co-founder of the Hot Hand Theory podcast. Jeff, how are you doing on this uh, Friday midday? Um, great. Looking forward to the weekend. We've had a pretty long break between Knicks basketball, which I guess they're going to need because they play five games in seven days next week in four different cities, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, but just kind of looking forward to a nice weekend of college football, then the Knicks, then football. So gearing up for that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, yes. And this weekend will be a lot of sports. Uh, we, we are also joined by. XJ, you can follow him on Twitter at Xavier J Designs. XJ, how are you doing? Uh, also, by the way, a co-founder of Hot Hand Theory. XJ, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, super happy to be back on here again with you, Schwinn. Appreciate you having us on as always. Um, for those who don't know, I live in Florida. Um, so it is going to reach a high of 87 degrees today. So I'm just trying to stay cool out here. <laughs> uh, Must be nice. November. <laughs> Must be nice. Um, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has Instagram. You can check that out. That is at Strickland on Instagram. Post all kinds of new content on there. Give us a follow, please. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, you're not done so already. Please hit like, leave us a comment, and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it. Jeff is wearing some of it. You can find that on our website. That is at www.strict.land. There'll be a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast, where our hosts... Drew, a.k.a. Doug, alongside Zach, they judge the takes that you submit in our Takes from Obvious Bozos channel in our Discord and grade them, judge them, judge you, submit at your own peril. You also get access to the Discord, uh, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, My Solo Pod, where I ran generated with the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL where you get to listen to Jeff, along with Khan, talk about, you guessed it, the NFL. Uh, they're doing great work on there. Definitely recommend checking that out. 
There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. There's a variety of additional benefits, like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, it's possible without you. And it's possible without Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. Um, that was a lot. All right. Anyway, let's move on with this. Uh, thanks for coming on. I listened uh, to a little bit of your last podcast. That you guys, I think, what it came out. You guys drop it on Tuesdays, right? I think that's when it came out after the Clippers. Yeah, game. every Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I did. So I did listen to Jeff Butcher, Victor Wembanyama's last name. Thank point. you um, <laughs> for confirming. Yeah, I said yeah. Wembanyama man, but I didn't have the comma. So like, if you listen, it's so clear. If you know that context, I'm like Wembanyama <laughs> man. He's a or Wembanyama. God damn it! I butchered it again. All right, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I listened to that, and I was actually pretty interested about the discussion you guys had about Julius Randall because. Uh, Jeff lives in the forever fear of the Knicks be, talking themselves into their addiction to Julius Randle. Uh, not for, not without reason. Not without reason. Um, and obviously, XA, you were kind of just like, well, I think they'd be stupid, so I'm going to assume they're not going to do something stupid. Um, I do think it's an interesting discussion because while I think it's like, so I mean, just to summarize it, it's more the idea of, well, the Knicks, Jeff's theory is the Knicks will keep Julius Randle because there's no clear pivot. And actually, like, if you think about it, it's a very weird discussion. Julius is a very weird player, and replacing him is not possible really directly. It would require a kind of different structure of the team, whatever. And that was what he was talking about. Um, I think it's an interesting discussion because obviously there is... Uh, or at least they believe that there is an inherent value in simply being good, being as good as we can possibly be for as long as we can be until something better comes up. And I think that's like a fairly reasonable way to operate. The problem is we don't know what the thing is. And if the thing is Joel Embiid, well, there's no guaranteed Joel Embiid ass out. And honestly, the season, the, the way that, the Sixers have started the season. Um, you probably feel a little more pessimistic about that than you would have at the start of the season. Um, and then you get into guys like Carl Anthony Towns, where it's like, okay, well, is he really like better than Julius? If he is better, how is he better? How's the fit? Can he play? Like, there's all kinds of things. There's no perfect fit. And I guess, like, where I just kind of was interested in the discussion is, I'm not sure that, like, I think. At some point, they will have to accept there's a ceiling with Julius. And that point, to me, probably comes at the end of the season. Um, and at that stage, I'm like, well, you know, then you actually do get to decision time. And that, that makes it interesting to me because if you extend Julius, I mean, and you touched on this when you were talking about XJ with like, with the new kind of CBA coming in. And you talk about like the first apron and the second apron and then the restrictions that you get into in trades. I just can't see like I, I can't see a team whose kind of underlying reasoning for most of their decisions 
good or bad, has been the idea of flexibility. I just have a tough time coming to the to the conclusion of like they're, they're going to give Julius a really big extension because even if it's not a max, which I don't think they will give him a max extension, um, and I suspect that's probably why he hired an agent on top of maybe feeling they might be looking to trade him um, at the end of the year. I don't think they would give him the max, which you also agreed with, Jeff, by the way. Um, but like, what is that? I don't know. I just think it's a very hard discussion to have because it's easy to just be like, well, move Julius. But then I think about it and I'm like, okay, well, you know, we actually had a long conversation on our Discord yesterday with people and it was like, move him for like Levine and this thing. And I'm like, what does that actually do for us? Like, are we a better team? Does our roster make more sense? Are we more balanced? Um, is our cap situation better? Probably not. Like, I don't know. I don't think it makes... And I just think a lot of the Julius conversation is a frustration of... you. We, I think we all agree that fundamentally, no matter what you think of Julius, there's a cap to what your team can achieve with him being a top one or two or three option. And and especially a top one or two option, which he is on this team. But also, like, you he's not a player you can just get rid of, and then it's easy to just be like, well, now we're just as good again. Um, I And so it's like this weird limbo you're in where you don't want to give him away because you're like, well, he can make us really good. But you also are, like, probably keenly aware, well, we probably do need to move him at some point if we want to seriously be a contender. Um, and I think that's like a really hard line that this front office is kind of like, it's weird. It's like to their credit, they've built this team up to that point where that actually is where your ceiling is at, but it is at that ceiling. So what do you do from here? And I don't think the answer is straightforward. I just want to ask you the same questions, the same uh, one or two questions that I asked XJ on our show. Um, so I'll just start with the first one. Do you see a world where if Julius Randle gets traded by the Knicks, he gets traded in a trade where the Knicks are clearly taking a step back from an immediate. No. no. Okay. Okay. I, I, no, let me rephrase. I think it could happen if they think the return they're getting would pretty easily allow them to to like give them the ammo to be very comfortable of being like, well, whoever the next guy is, now this whatever we got for Julius with what we already have gives us, like, this overwhelming, you know what I mean? Like, just no doubt about it. Whoever comes available that we like, we can get him, no no questions asked. But, it, I so, mean, is that really going to be out there for Randall? Probably not. Exactly, and that's where I was going to go next. XJ said it much more, just much better than I usually do, which usually happens on our podcast. I ramble for, like, two minutes, and then he summarizes something in, like, ten seconds. But he was just basically like, so what you're saying is, Randall is much more valuable to the Knicks than he would be to any other team right now. And it's like, yes, the Knicks value Randall higher than probably any other team in the league does. So they're always going to get 90 cents on the dollar. This is the perpetual, as you just said, like the perpetual purgatory is a bad word because it's not a bad thing. Like obviously the Knicks are in a really good spot right now, but in the Randall specifics, in the Randall situation specifically, it's just kind of an endless cycle because the Knicks can only get so far if he is a featured player, but he's also more important to, they, to them than he would be to any other team. So it's like they don't want it to seem like they're just giving him away. And my assumption is that that's going to go on until it's extension time. 
And then Randall's just going to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to get as much money elsewhere. I'll sign a team-friendly extension. And the Knicks are just going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, okay, you're not, you don't want a max? Okay, boom. And then it just goes on. Like, I just, I just feel like that's how it ha- That's such an overwhelming favorite to happen. I just think that the assumption baked in here is that the Knicks will never want to take a step back. Like that baked into their philosophy of how to build a team is that you cannot take a temporary step back under any circumstances. And I don't believe that to be the case. Like to me, that would be, that'd be foolish um, because they're, they're really pushing in this Randall thing. It's just something I've been thinking about incessantly. They're really pushing the bounds of this philosophy based on the natural logical extensions of it. And what I mean by that is that if you're like, we can never take a step back, then you're right, Jeff, they would go to the end. They would have to extend him because they could never get recoup the value back for him to, to, to maintain their pace. They would always have to take a step back if they trade him, given the disparity in value that they have for him and other teams have for him. Um, but if they do that, then you know, we've been pushing back. I think all three of us have been pushing back against this idea that the Knicks are in some kind of purgatory. Like, it's silly because they're building really, really well. They have great young players. They have a bunch of picks. Um, They're not locked into any bad contracts. But that changes when you give Julius Randle an extension that maybe it won't be a max, but some near max or some really high percentage of your salary cap. That changes that that entire formula. And now it is, it's like, yeah, you're moving closer towards a purgatory than you ever have been. And I just think that the Knicks have to be seeing that. They they have to be thinking two to three steps ahead, and they see that coming. And I just can't imagine that they're going to walk openly and, and knowingly walk into that door. I just, I just can't see it. Yeah, I, I think the cap part of it makes it very interesting. I'll throw this, and I think this is not being considered. Before this season, and we'll see, like it's, you know, we're eight games in, whatever. Before this season, you're kind of living in this world where you're like, well, you know, Brunson and Randall are two best guys and everybody fits in around that. And I'll say this, like you're saying, would they make a trade of Randall? Like, would you, would, what you're basically asking is like, would they trade Randall for assets and not like for a player, right? And I'll say this. If this is the version of R.J. Barrett we're getting, if this is the version of Mitchell Robinson we're getting, if this is the version of Emmanuel Quickly we're getting, I don't know that they would view that as taking a step back. They might be like, these guys actually are good enough now where without Julius, um, not like not that you don't need to replace his usage to some extent, right? But they might look at it as like, hey, okay, if we trade Julius for fucking hot air and a couple of picks, and then we sign, I don't know, Tobias Harris to be our four next year, that team is not worse. It's it's a lateral move on aggregate in the present, and it gives us more options long term, and it gives it retains our trade flexibility. Plus, plus we can now very easily keep Emmanuel quickly. We can now very easily extend Isaiah Hartenstein, which I think is a really underrated component of a lot of the kind of like things people are talking about. Like I'll, I'll for as an example, me and Jeff, we we've talked a little bit about like would you trade Randall for Cat, right? And it's like there's scenarios where like I'm not some huge cat guy. I kind of view that as a lateral move, but I do see the argument of like, hey, is a career damn near 40% three-point shooter a better fit at the four than Julius is, even if it's not perfect? Maybe, right? Um, I get that. So like, if 
the Knicks could just as an example, just using Cat as an easy one off the top of the head, but like the Knicks would do like Randall and Fournier for Cat before this offseason. So like at the draft, around the draft, whatever. Then they can keep quickly in Hartenstein and like you so you've replaced Julius and kept your depth, right? Like that's that I think is something to take into consideration with all the stuff you're doing. Because once you get into the offseason, right? Now if you extend quickly and you extend Hartenstein, you're past that second apron in all likelihood. Um, and you're super trade restricted. And it, you're trade restricted in a very specific way that hurts your chances of becoming of getting the proverbial star you're looking for. You cannot aggregate salary to get a star in that once you're over the second apron. You can trade quickly out for like two players. You can take aggregated salary, but you can't trade out aggregated salary. So I think this new CBA has changed a lot of calculus around the league that I don't think fans, and even quite honestly, forget fans, I don't think a lot of media people are, are baking it in yet. Like Damian Lillard, look at what he got traded for. And if you told if you had told a Blazers fan at the start of the summer, they'd have been like, no fucking way. Like, we're gonna get something more than that. Even if we would have like looked through the teams, you're like, they'd been like, no, somebody's gonna come in and make a better offer than that. They didn't, right? They got Drew, and I, I know they turned Drew into two first, and Robert Williams apparently just he's having season ending knee surgery, unfortunately. Um, but like they presumed, right, they would get more value for him. I get all that, but like in terms of what we're seeing, I mean, look at Brad Beal. Three years ago, even if he had a no trade clause, I promise you he's getting more. I promise you he's getting more in trade than second round picks and pick swaps. Like these are all un imperfect examples because no situation is alike. But I do think the star market and just what trades are going to run and how hard it will be to trade and just how this is going to affect decision trees around the league is being underrated. I mean, you look at OKC, right? It's all well and good to just be like, oh, look at all the young talent they have. They're set up to be a fucking dynasty for 35 years. There's no way they won't win a championship. I'm telling you, like, they're going to start paying these guys, right? SGA is paid. Like, Giddy is up for an extension. I would trade Giddy right now, by the way. Like, he makes no sense with that roster. Uh, You already have Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams. These guys are already in their second years, right? Like, you already are planning for this stuff. You don't have forever. And once, let's say you keep, you don't make any moves, right? So you keep Giddy and you keep these guys, you keep adding salary. At some point, you can't aggregate salary anymore to get a star. So, like, I think the time horizon on these decisions is shorter. I think how it's going to affect trade values of any player, even stars, is going to change drastically. And I suspect that you're going to, I just fundamentally believe you're going to, like, these all in fucking trades, they're done. You can't do them in this new CBA. They are a complete disaster. And I think you're going to start seeing that happen um, with, like, these teams that are leveraged out. You know, like, Phoenix is a disaster. I I was down on them coming into the season. Jeff, I know me and you talked about it when we did the the over-unders. Like, I flat out thought they had a better chance of missing the playoffs than making the finals. And, like, I I feel pretty good about that right now because – are we? What are we at? Game nine, where the big three, none of they're, they're not going to have played together yet. Um, Clippers, I, I got to say, that Harden trade, I think that has a chance to be a complete fucking disaster. They look terrible, and I don't see how that gets better unless uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook and, and all these guys, they want to suddenly start doing, uh, oh yeah, we'll box out, we'll do the dirty work. So, like, I don't know. I just think this is such a hard conversation to have without knowing the full landscape and even like having proof of, kind of where the league is because it is weird. You know, I, I can't, I just think it's a, the Randall part of it and, and just kind of like, 
you know, again, like you look at what the Knicks have going for them in terms of their young guys. If these young guys are playing at the, the I mean, those three have been our best players so far this year, right? Like Mitch, RJ, and Quick. I think they've clearly been our three best players. If, if they're the three best players, right? Brunson gets going, like, you could reasonably look at the team and just be like, well, I'd, I'd rather trade Randall for like hot air and stay flexible than extend Randall. Yeah. And this is where like, it would just be nice if we had a larger sample uh, with proof of concept of stuff without Randall. You like, know? At the like yes, exactly. Like Jericho <laughs> Sims at the four, um, but just like, you know, it would be cool to see, you know, like what, what would a starting lineup of uh, Brunson quickly, RJ Hart, or not starting lineup. What would a lineup of those four and Mitch look like? What would uh, Brunson quickly Grimes RJ Mitch look like? You know, like I know some can people. I, can, like, I ask oh, you a, can I ask you a question? I'm, and this is like actually a question. This is not being facetious or anything. Do you think it's possible that these teams and like the Knicks in this in this specific case, they're they have to have models where they're like they feel comfortable about like projecting, you know, plugging guys into a lineup into a computer and being like this is what we think it'll be this is what we model it as and and then the other point to it would be like this is obviously and we've talked we, i don't think i need to like i'm putting words in your mouth when you say this this is fundamentally just a thing that you get with tips where you're not going to like see these various different combinations to the extent you want to see them um do you think to some like some of their thinking with this is also like hey look like Maybe a different coach experiments more and does more, and we get a better sample of this stuff. But like Tibbs is kind of playing ball with us a little bit, you know. I do think he's experimented more in terms of like, I mean, the fact that he's even willing to do the Josh Hart RJ thing is kind of like galaxy brain Tibbs thing. And so maybe they're of the opinion like we can work with him. And so even if we don't get the sample we'd ideally like between that between our belief that we can work with him if it does come to that, if we do make a move, and between like our ability to model these things um, with our data guys, we're comfortable kind of like operating as is. So first of all, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have Tibbs. We talked about this on the post game the other yeah. night. I think yeah, we're all like higher on Tibbs than we've been yeah, at any point I think, previously. I think I think I'm <laughs> as high I'm, I'm as high on Tibbs as I'm, I've ever been. Yeah. Um, regarding the models thing, I am sure that. They have stuff that we can't even imagine. The only thing is, like, my guess is that RJ at the two, and I'm still a firm believer that RJ at the two, hard at the three, is going to be the most played crunch time lineup. So, like, they don't even need models. Like, they have tons of evidence that that doesn't work, and Tibbs still runs the lineup. So, I'm only saying that to show that I don't know if the models are, like, front and center getting, like, the – I think if Tibbs right. wanted to play that lineup, he'd play the lineup. You know, like, I, I think he has the most control. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just – I just wanted to say I, I thought it would be ni- – I, I think it would be nice to have a bit more proof of concept because I think the front office would feel more comfortable trading Randall if, he, if they knew we had options on the roster or if they knew that there was a higher ceiling to unlock with more of our best players playing together. Um so that would be good. And then the other thing I just want to say, and I, I think XJ will strongly agree with me here. I love Hardenstein. I think he's great. I think he's more than a backup center, e- easily the best backup center in the league. And I think he can start for a lot of teams. 
if the Knicks trade for Towns, it needs to be a two center rotation between Towns and Mitch. And it, I'm fine if you want to start Towns at power forward, that's fine. But like they should do a rotation where like he should get the Julius rotation where he plays the whole first. You pull Mitch early in the first and third, and then Mitch becomes the backup center to start the second and the fourth, and then Towns comes back in. Like there shouldn't be no minutes with. Uh, Excuse me. There, I'm fine with both Towns and Mitch, but if Towns is playing 100% power forward, I would just say that trade would be a disaster, and I don't, I wouldn't get it. Um, because I don't think, I think the whole idea of trading for Towns is that he raises your ceiling higher than Julius, and by placing him at power forward, you're just diminishing that ceiling, and it just makes the trade pointless. Uh, and I'll turn it over to actually. Yeah, and and Jeff, I obviously maybe not obvious to to listeners, but I totally agree with that. Um, I think you need Towns to play at the five to really really unlock the value that he can provide to the team. So I, I love that you can have Mitch, you can have Towns. You just have to stagger them aggressively. Um, do I believe that Tibbs will do that? Probably not. I don't think so. I think he'll probably think he wants to have both of them out there as much as possible. What I, what I'm curious about is that. So I don't know if both of you have seen like Stefan Bondi's reporting that Randall has been playing with ankle pain and and he's basically denying the Knicks request to like sit and rest. <laughs> I mean that reaction tells me a lot, Schwinn. But if that's the case, I mean to me, I think that I think that Randall probably doesn't want to sit because he doesn't want us to see the proof of concept of the team without him. And I do think I I'm praying that this RJ thing is legit. Like I have my doubts and we can talk about that. I I have a lot of doubts about the sustainability of the way that RJ has been playing, but I really hope it's legit because that to me, 100% makes Randall expendable and you don't have to worry about this idea that we need him or else we're going to take a huge step back because I could imagine you could bring in a guy like, let's say like a Kyle Anderson to play, you know, 25 minutes at the four and if RJ is playing the way that he is, Josh Hart's minutes at the four have been really good as far as him being able to hold up, um, continue his rebounding rate. He's actually having a career high in terms of defensive rebounding rate. So I think that absolutely can work. And I don't think there's a step back there. I think it's at least, you know, at worst, a lateral move. So to me, it's like, I think that they can make this work without Randall. And I think that they have to be thinking of ways to do that because I don't think you can walk yourself into this corner where you're extending Randall for a lot of money and the towns thing just my only concern about that really aside from not staggering him and Mitch is the contract like Schwinn was just talking about all of the second apron um, stipulations are very concerning to me I don't have the the, the strongest grasp about kind of the, the the ramifications that we'll see as a result but I do think I do feel confident. And to be fair, nobody does. It's like, (laughs) nobody does right now. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I do feel confident that it won't be helpful to have a guy making $60 million a year. I know that that's going to make things harder um, for sure. So uh, I don't know. I, that's, that's really my, if, if Towns was on a more reasonable contract, honestly, I'd be really happy about kind of making that flip because I think your, your upside is much higher with Towns than it is with Randall, even in a four or five lineup with Towns and, and, and Mitch. And if you stagger it, that becomes exponentially higher. So um, I, uh, yeah. I I disagree with that pretty strongly. I think if Towns plays only power forward, the Knicks' upside is actually at best the same, and if not lower, because I I tr- as weird as it is to say, I think the Knicks' defensive ceiling is higher with Randall than it is with Towns. I trust I trust Randall to on switches 
and I trust him when he's engaged to just be a more effective defender, both and especially executing Tibbs' scheme. Like I've seen Randall this season stunt and recover to the perimeter. Can you imagine Towns trying to like slide <laughs> down to stunt and then recover to the perimeter? Oh my god, it would be a disaster. But Jeff, so, yeah. I'm not saying like I'm not saying full time he only plays for I'm saying primarily. Like the way that I imagine Tibbs would run him out is that they play a ton of minutes four or five together, but but Towns does have some minutes at the five. I, I don't think it's gonna be like the same way they use Randall, they would use Towns. But at the same time, do you think do you think the Knicks is it possible that the Knicks win a championship with Randall? On an extension, so assuming no. he, he gets paid more. No. no. Okay, do you think it's possible that well, the Knicks win wait, a championship okay, with Towns? Like, like, I don't think it's 0%. But okay, I, I think when I say possible, I think it's like I, mean, a, I think it's like effectively 0%. Right, effectively 0 it Do you think this is with Towns? Do, do I, sorry, say that again? I'm sorry, do you think that that chances, the chances don't change if we get Towns? Do you think oh, they no, don't I think, change I think or go down? I think they're higher. I agree. Even though, even though I kind of view it as like, I don't actually think they're different tiers of players. I just think Towns has an ultimate ceiling that is higher than Julius's if he were to, you know, go to the playoffs and be like, all right, I'm going to be normal. Um, I agree. I, I, I agree. I just want to put in the caveat that there needs to be, there needs to be a chance that he plays center. Like I, I don't think well, that a full time. My point is that a full time well, cat at four. I don't agree. with so I think if you tra- if like you trade for Cat, it has to be with the understanding that he will play some five. And if Tibbs is not okay with that, then you would need to be okay with moving on from him at some point. And like I think I think there is evidence they would move on from Tibbs at some point. He literally thought he was going to get fired last year. Um, like that is not nothing. I'm sorry. Like we've also had reporting that Worldwide West did want him gone at one point. So. Um, like, I don't think, I know people like to do the whole, uh, it's just the CIA family and nobody will ever go anywhere thing. But like, I, I don't think that's true. Um, and you know, the, the Julius part of it is just like, I mean, that's the question. It's like, if the goal is to win a championship, then you really, even if you extend him, it's with the idea of like, we can trade him, but do you really want to play that game again of like, we'll extend him and then we'll figure it out. Like, I don't think that's a good game to be playing, especially if you have second apron ramifications. Um, and also it's like, it's just, I think it's time. Like he's been here for five years. We are all very keenly aware of his good and bad. And there is good. Like, I think it's easy to focus on the bad because we're so familiar with his game. Like we're so familiar with everything about him that, that the things that you, Harp on like like last game he played right. What do you have like twenty three and ten or whatever the hell it was? It was like a perfectly fine Julius game. Like in in the grand scheme of Julius games, a perfectly fine Julius game. And I remember like watching that game and thinking about it afterwards, and like all I can think about is like, man, those four decisions he made. I don't know if we're in the second round of the playoffs against Miami. Like I'm not sure that's going to fly there. And it's like these. This is the problem with Julius, and I think this is the problem with like committing yourself to him is the processing isn't better like even his decision making the last two days has been the last two games has been better that does not mean his processing is better and the processing is the biggest issue on top of like his weird you know stretches where he just decides like yeah i'm just giving up on defense today don't really care like sorry can't be bothered um and and it's like you never know he's also he's just not like dependable like he has these crazy volatile swings i mean last year he had a great season objectively had a great season and even within that 
you know, he has this thing where he's, like, screaming it quickly on the floor, right? And he has, like, you know, it's just, like, even the game, I remember, Jeff, I remember we talked about it because we did the post game after that Miami game where they basically clinched the, uh, the playoff spot. That's the one where Julius got hurt. Before he got hurt, he was, like, walking. Like, it, it was an unbelievably atrocious performance from him. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.